Earlier this month, we began a journey, a series, on how God desires for us to be awakened to abundant life and profound intimacy with love for God whereby we experience a profound compassion for love of neighbor, love of ourselves, and a lover of Jesus Christ. Henry David Thoreau once wrote, most people lead lives of quiet desperation and they go to the grave with a song still in them. Wow. Quiet desperation. Does this resonate with you right now? I know at times it can resonate with me. Sometimes I look at my life and I say, my goodness, there's this ginormous gap between who I aspire to become and where I am. And this is in my spiritual life. Many times I'll plead, God, I am so sorry. I wasted days that belong to you in the adventure of living in the abundant life that you offer to me. I feel like I'm missing the point whereby this, this quiet desperation rises and I, I want to shake it, I want to squelch it, push it down, that pleading, silent life. And it can transfer over into our lives. I know in my, into my life and it's in the physical and in the emotional and the other areas. And at times we see our friends, they come up to us and they say, how are you doing, man? And we say, fine. Fake plastic mask over. Recently, I read the word fine can become a fitting acronym for this kind of context in our life. Fine meaning frustrated, impatient, nervous, and exhausted. We manage this quiet desperation in so many ways. We walk around pretending things are okay. Yet we know and feel that life has lost its color and flavor. Why? One reason I believe it comes from stopping short in our Christian life. We see maybe Christ the Christian life is all about sin management instead of this full abundance that God offers. We get into this cycle, we sin, we're sorry, we seek forgiveness, rotate, we sin, we feel sorry, we seek forgiveness. And when this continues, we begin to ignore the numerous possibilities that call out from the Spirit of God, from the Word of God, and from friends, spiritual friends around us to help us move forward into this spiritual reality, into this spiritual journey that God wants His children to experience. Sometimes we swipe away, like we do on our cell phone, the spiritual opportunities found in worship, reading the word, inner healing, spending time with God, giving of our resources, and serving others. And then we become what it's called holy discontent. The gap grows and we become asleep at the wheel of the spiritual when we stay in this state. A fake smile appears. 
I'm fine. But really, we're frustrated and we're saying in ourselves, I'm fine. Here's the reality. Our lives as God's children are not created to be fine or simply get by this way. God wants to give us the fullness of life and his purposes, that abundant life. The hard truth is that we cannot exist in this quiet desperation, this holy discontentment realm too long because multiple crises will occur in many, many other things. The Apostle Paul knows it all too well. He knows what I'm talking about when he uh, writes in Romans 7, 15 through 20. Listen closely because Paul really states a lot of do's and do nots. Let's look at this together. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Paul, like us, found that these dynamics were within him. They were inconsistent with God's will for a life of wholeness. You see, in Paul's day, the Greeks thought that this wholeness or elevation into a higher reality came from knowing more and more and more. That knowledge would ascend them into the life journey. Basically, education would get you there. For the Jew, it came through keeping the law, adhering to every detail as a good Jew, a Pharisee, that that would get you there. However, Paul found that both of these led to this holy discouragement, discontentment in the days of life, in never-ending pursuit of wisdom or keeping of the law, performance trap would bring about the crisis that Paul, that I just read from Romans 7. You see, Paul looked back on his life of trying to keep the law and found it was impossible because of that sin nature that existed within himself. And you see the madness from Paul's pen. This passage, I think, is one of the best examples of scripture, the scripture of cognitive dissonance. You see, the term cognitive dissonance is a counseling term, and it's used to describe that mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs and values, thoughts, or attitudes. People tend to seek consistencies with their attitudes and their beliefs and their thoughts and action, but then that conflict happens when 
they can contradict each other. And it causes this feeling of uneasiness and discomfort. Basically, you have that belief, but it doesn't match your behavior or your thoughts or your attitudes and actions. This incompatibility or dissonance could happen when you do something that goes against that value that you love. And you see, that's what Paul was getting at. Maybe you learn a new piece of information that disagrees with your long-standing belief or opinion, and it could be a lie from the world. And as humans, we would prefer that our, our world would make sense. And so cognitive dissonance, it really leads to distress. Especially as Paul describes in his sin nature within him, it just seems like it's always trying to cause this and mess things up. I read of an example of cognitive dissonance. Let's say you have a dog that you take for daily walks around your neighborhood. And like any responsible dog owner, you have that baggie in your pocket or two baggies that you carry in case your dog does the business. And one day you realize you forgot the bag, but over halfway through your walk. And your dog chooses that moment to do his or her business. You take a quick look around the street, look around, see if anybody's seeing, and you say, oh, it's just one time. You tell yourself, "Eh, I'll always bring another bag, but this time I'll just let him go. (laughs) Besides, it's not like you're the only one that does it. You've seen other dogs make messes around the neighborhood. You've passed by it on your walks. And if other people don't pick it up, I get away with it as well. And we find our actions, our thoughts, and our attitudes move further from that belief of cleaning up always after your dog. It's a simple example, but I think it shows how we compromise time and time and time again. And this can happen compromising from lies that can come from voices around us through the world and others who are living outside of God's will. These negative influences. And what happens is this discontentment grows, this dissonance grows, and the dissatisfaction with life grows, and on, and so on, and so on. And we get into that sin, feel sorry, forgiveness, and that cycle. You see, Paul was very familiar with this life. At the end of chapter 7, when he writes... In frustration, so I find this law at work, and I want to do good. Evil is right there with me, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law in my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Oh, and he finally just, you can hear him just getting on his knees as his pen drops on the desk. Oh, wretched man, I am Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And you see that negative self-talk, that negative observation about Paul himself, the totality of his reality. You see, there are two outcomes of this holy discontentment, this spiritual frustration. The first is a very bad outcome, maybe numbing affluence leading into disastrous addictions possibly, purposeless living. And people find 
material things or experiences of the flesh to take away that pain of discontentment. And 100% of the time, these things are outside the will of God and the will of God to lift the Christian up into abundant life. And that sin nature is fed. The sin nature that Paul is referring to. And then that condemnation of self occurs. We stay in that vicious cycle. Romans 7, living. However, there are, there's another outcome that can take place. And that is spiritual breakthrough. Through an awakening to a different reality. The beginning of the awakening in our lives is signaled by our growing awareness of that gnawing dissatisfaction in the pit of our stomachs and souls. And true growth really most often begins with that growing sense of dissonance, discontentment, dissatisfaction. We're dissatisfied with the way things are in our lives. We're not the person that we hoped we would become by now. And we pay attention to this dissatisfaction, and it can lead to major breakthroughs. And that's the positive side of it. And a breakthrough into greater purpose in our lives. And God's Spirit will always be nudging us in a loving way. It's in the background, God saying, my child, I want you to have abundant life. My child, I want you to have fullness in me. My child, you can be satisfied in me and with me in the journey. We have to pay attention to that voice of breakthrough. And it will mean that we have to open up that vault of our quiet desperation and bring forth our dissatisfaction in light of God's truth. And I believe sometimes it needs to be named out loud. And done with somebody that can help. And in this conversation with God's spirit, with God and someone else, or just alone with God and his spirit, it must happen. We have to do that. There was a man who was walking on a road, and he was was just trying to get over to this mountain. And he met a guy that looked like a, a park ranger. And he says, I want to get over to that mountain. I know I need to probably take this way, right? And he said, you can't get there taking this path. You've got to go this way. And that's what God is saying, that we have to move through this spiritual dissatisfaction in order to receive that greater purpose. A couple of years ago, I came to the point of almost throwing the towel in ministry. There was a deep, holy dissatisfaction, not only with my call, but with my Christian life. I was beating my head against my pastor's study wall. I was trying to change a church that didn't want to change. And I found in that, I saw that dissatisfaction, and it really showed me my woundedness and weariness. I was allowing that pain of the past and the pain of, of not leading people into this second half of the gospel, this spiritual growth, and it was gnawing inside of me. It wasn't what I was supposed to be and do. I knew I needed inner healing. I needed to give all my hurts and habits and hang-ups to God in that moment. I remember like King David creating me a clean heart 
Psalm 51. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. I believe that lifted me up. And I found that holy dissatisfaction meant coming to grips with these untruths and lies in my innermost being. And you know what I found? That God was there. I found that this holy discontentment was a beautiful sign of God's working in my life to lead me into that reality of the second half of the gospel. You see, God wants to offer that healing touch and transformation in our, yours, and mine, my inmost being. And you know what? I didn't find condemnation. I found grace and truth. And it happened here at Anderson Hills. Folks, this is where the new day begins. In that darkness of dissonance, when our holy dissatisfaction, it awakes a new dawn. God desires to break through and come alongside of us in that. And you see, folks, no matter where you are on that spiritual journey, no matter what the wounds are, or the strongholds that need to be broken, God will be there. His presence is promised to be there. Because of that, you will find satisfaction and willingness in your walk spiritually. One of the things that's happening here at Anderson Hills, it's going to begin on Tuesday, 6.30 to 8. And it'll happen January 19th through February 23rd is Break Free Workshops. And because we're in the purple, Hamilton County's in the purple, it's going to occur via Zoom. And you can sign up on our events page. It's going to address negative thoughts and unhealthy behaviors in your life and equip you with strategies on how to overcome and find freedom and victory in Christ Jesus. And I believe it will propel you in your walk with Jesus Christ guaranteed. You see, these sessions will be taught by Sharon Gard, our Director of Curriculum Development, and she is an outstanding teacher filled with the spirit and wisdom of God. You see, many of us have stalled in our journeys to become more fruitful followers of Jesus. And if you find yourself dealing with these negative thoughts, these unhealthy habits, and irrational feelings, this cognitive dissonance, and you can't seem to leave it behind, folks, you're not alone, and you can join others on this journey. You see, God wants you and I to be completely and utterly saved, salvation, wellness, healed. And God desires that we grow in grace. It's really living, and I encourage you to read it all, Romans chapter 8. Language of love and life in the spirit and victory. And you hear that throughout Paul's letters. There's a scripture that counters that struggle in Romans chapter 7. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. I would like for you just to even close your eyes and just listen and try to behold it with your mind. Right there in your living room or kitchen. He says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power of his spirit in your inner being. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all of God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God. Did you catch those last ten words? They're unfathomable, deep, rich words of life in the Spirit. Words that we, we can't even sometimes imagine as human beings, but they are here filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How can it be possible for you and me to be filled with the full measure of all fullness of God? It's a destination that God wants to take us in the second half of, a gospel, of his gospel through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, leading through that spiritual discontentment to go deeper into a new reality in relationship with him. It's that fuller fullness how will this work? It's, it, it is being, experiencing that full measure daily. So the first note with the scripture is given to us, it's in form of a prayer. It's Paul praying for you and for me to experience how high, how deep, how long and wide is that love for Christ. And it's grasping that new reality. And it's one thing to get this intellectually but it's another thing to believe it. You see, he wants us to grasp it with all of ourselves in a much deeper way, as the text says, to know beyond knowledge. And I believe it goes beyond adhering to a rule. It's this level experience that makes us go deeper and it goes, surpasses our feelings. It happens when God strengthens us with the power of the Holy Spirit in our inner beings. And we need that power, and we can receive that power. And this is not love as a feeling, but love as power. And we're getting way past spiritual milk. We're getting into spiritual nourishment in meat and potatoes of this power. And there's one more small and mostly overlooked phrase in this prayer. He says, together with all the Lord's holy people. We can't do this alone. If we try holy dissatisfaction, we'll set in again. It'll worm its way in again and again. You see, my friends, it's the will of God. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And he uses that word might. It's our choosing, and it's abundant life in him. And he fills, and he sustains and strengthens through the power, the empowerment of his Holy Spirit in that. And we find this all done by the love, the power of Jesus Christ in us. Will you please join me in prayer? God, we thank you. You're so faithful that you promise in our dissatisfaction, discouragement, discontentment that you're there to bring us through into a new way of relationship. 
And we thank you that you've sent so many resources around us. The body of Christ, the church, gifted, wise teacher, the power of your Holy Spirit and your word. And God, we know that faithfulness will never leave. And I pray into the rooms, the living rooms, the kitchens, through this live stream and those gathered in this room, that that reality would come as we move past this dissatisfaction. Thank you for your loving patience with us. You're good. You're good. You're good, oh Lord. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.